State Representative Bill Otto has emerged victorious in two tough election cycles, and now he's facing his biggest challenge yet, unseating Congresswoman Ann Wagner. The Democratic State Representative joins us next on another edition of Politically Speaking. I think that is fair As to I say. say Hands to kiss and babies to shake. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I think my record speaks for itself. That's a really good question. Hello and welcome to the Politically Speaking Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Rosenbaum, a reporter with St. Louis Public Radio. Joining me in our studios in St. Louis is... Colleague Joe Manis. And our special guest today... Bill Otto, a Democratic candidate for 2nd District Congressional Office. And a state representative. State representative for the 70th House District. Welcome to the show. You're a first-timer. I'm sure you're hoping that you're a second-timer after <laughs> November. Well, thanks for inviting me. I certainly appreciate it. So um, before we get into your congressional race, tell us a little bit about yourself, um, your professional experience, your, your political experience sure. we'll get to, and any other things we need to know about Bill Otto. Well, I've actually, we'll start from the beginning and go back a little bit. I've spent the last four years uh, representing some uh, pretty amazing people in St. Louis County, St. Charles County, uh, in a very, very odd district that slipped between two counties by river. Uh, if, yeah. Tell us what your district encompasses, because it is the, one of the strangest districts in Missouri without any hyperbole. Especially in a metropolitan area. Uh, the district is sort of a river district. Geographically, it's the largest district uh, around because it includes all of the... Um, all of the river. But um, uh, it's Hazelwood. It's a river district west west of Highway 270, Hazelwood, Bridgeton, Maryland Heights, Chesterfield, and directly west of Chesterfield across the river is a portion of St. Charles County. And you live in Maryland Heights. I live in Maryland Heights, yes, I do. And just for our listeners, as I told the representative before the show, my grandfather actually lived in your district before he passed away. The border of your district is the, his cul-de-sac. Right, it right. was It was fascinating to look at that on, on a map. If you look at the precincts and the roads and the, yeah, it is it is a very odd, odd district. I think a lot of them are. The crossing the river where you can't drive from one portion of the district and stay in it to the other one. And it goes along the river. I've got a portion of uh, St. Charles City, mm-hmm. which is unusual. And I'm the only, where, I'm a trivia question uh, for in Jeff City. I'm the only non-state, uh, non-statewide representative that has two casinos in his district. Congratulations oh, wow. for that. Okay, for now, whatever that's worth. <laughs> now, tell us a little bit about I me. Mean, like, where'd you grow up? Well, I grew up in uh, North St. Louis County. Okay. Um, what in, what in, high school? <laughs> well, this is an interesting part of my life. Okay. Um, I uh, grew up in uh, Berkeley, uh, in, uh, supposed to graduate from high school in 1974. Um I was in a in what I've also all all uh, quite often described as a tough household. Okay. Um, I I never met my father. Didn't meet my father. In fact, uh, until I was uh, almost about to join the Navy, um, and I saw my mother on very very irregular okay. basis. Okay. Uh, just sort of an odd thing. Lived with my grandmother uh, quite a bit, but being my mother's mother, uh, she was not very happy about who I look like and what she saw in me of my father. Um, so it's sort of a, it was an abusive house. Oh, I'm sorry um, about that. Well, it, uh, it it sort of sort of makes you into what you are. Uh, at 15, my mother died, uh, and at that point, the authorities realized that I was not going to be able to stay in my grandmother's house, and I ended up in a boys' home in Brentwood, Missouri. Uh huh. And that's where I officially attended high school. I uh, went there for 
Uh, actually, only uh, all of my 10th grade year and uh, part of 11th grade. One of the things that a lot of people don't understand in the state of Missouri, the legal age is 17. So in 1972, without any place for them to put me or any programs in place, I was uh, taken out of the boys' home and put on the street. So uh, the, I guess the story of my life back then was at 17 years old, I was basically homeless. No real place to go, no, no, no home, no family. Um, it was a tough situation for a while, uh, but I credit, I absolutely credit my success uh, of moving forward and being successful in any aspect of life is the teachers that, that took uh, some notice of me. Uh, Brentwood teachers, I, before that when I, I went to the Berkeley school system through uh, junior high, and those teachers knew what was going on, on with me at, at, at the house, and they were very supportive. But the folks in Brentwood High School, uh, the teachers there um, noticed me, paid attention, tried to help me. They knew Brentwood High School, or Brentwood School District is very small. Mm -hmm. So the teachers yes, knew about the boys' home, and they, you know, they, they helped me get along. And then when I ended up on the streets, um, the first, first person I lived with with any length of time was a counselor from high school who had a son older than I was and younger um, and um, let me stay at her house for a while. I got my feet on the ground. Uh, teachers helped me uh, get my GED. Uh, they helped me get into college. Uh, there was a scholarship program back there called uh, Vocational Rehabilitation for folks that needed, I guess, rehabilitating. Maybe uh -huh. I did. Uh, and uh, managed to go to uh, Merrimack Junior College back then. And um, I, I really credit a lot of my success for teachers that took a little extra time and, and uh, uh, paid attention to me and kind of pushed me a little bit uh, to get my GED, to start college, uh, helped me actually get uh, Social Security at one, at one point after my mother died. So interesting uh, start to life. I spent um, a couple of years in, at Merrimack, went to UMSL for a semester, didn't really feel like I was making it a progress to determine who I was uh -huh. and joined the Navy. Uh, joined the Navy in uh, 1976 and spent seven years there. And uh, that's where they taught me my profession. I'm an air traffic controller by trade. Um, worked at Lambert for 20 years and uh, retired uh, a few years ago. So you were at Lambert during some pretty dramatic times. I, I was. I say this as a joke. I was at Lambert when they had airplanes. Yes, yes. <laughs> I was there. I got there in 1986. Uh, it was the sixth busiest airport in the country. Very challenging. Uh, very, very fit my personality. Just, just great. I'm, I'm probably uh, considered a Type A personality. Uh, the job was great. Uh, uh, it was, it was just an exciting time in uh, uh, Lambert's history. And did you do that? How long? How many years were you an air traffic controller for? Thirty-one years. Thirty-one years. And then, you, were you in local politics while you were an air traffic controller? Well, first thing I thought you were going to ask me is where I was in the 1981 strike. <laughs> well, I know that, where I was. I was actually covering it. I was in the Washington bureau of the Post Dispatch. I'd just been there a few months, and I remember going to—I mean, permanently—and I remember going to the PACO press conference. Uh huh. Well, I I was in the I was in the Navy at the time. I had no. I was up at uh, uh, up in the Seattle area. Okay. I was in the service uh, and ended up being working in the Seattle area at an FAA facility after the strike for a bit. Yeah. But no, I was in the service. Uh, otherwise, I'd have probably been a fired air traffic controller with the rest of them. Before you were a state representative, I believe you were in local government. Is that correct? I I got I've always been involved somehow in the community. I just think it's it's important. Uh, it's an example for my children, but it's it's part of what I am. Uh, and I moved to Bridgeton in 1986 when I came back here. Uh, I'm also a guy that likes to live close to work, so it's 3.6 miles to work That's in the morning true. for me. 
uh, and uh, just got involved in the community, uh, uh, was on, a, on committees on some of the commissions, and ended up uh, running for city council in Bridgeton in 1989. Mm-hmm. And Joe, you might remember this date because on August 26th of 1989 is when the airport announced its expansion yes. westbound into Bridgeton. Yes, I remember that very clearly. So I, I turned in to be a relatively popular council person because I understood the technical end of what they were proposing. Mm-hmm. And the first proposal, F4, was a disaster. Just absolutely disaster technically. And of course, remember, it didn't last very long. Right. They ended up going somewhere else and, and eventually taking out my home and my community. Really? Like your ho- actual yeah. home? Yeah, my home. Yeah, so, yeah. And, and I remember when I was covering um, the governor's race in 92, Vince Shamel was one of the candidates. And uh, uh, Bridgeton residents who were really angry with how this thing turned out picketed him everywhere. Right. I mean, they were one of the contributing was, factors. I was going to say that was probably one of the reasons he was decimated by Mel Carnahan and didn't even do very well in the St. Louis area, I would imagine. Yes. But I'm sure there were other reasons, too. Yeah, but that but, but the that didn't help because they used to show up. They were very organized. <laughs> it was the old Bridgeton Air Defense, which is a, a fascinating, um, a fascinating uh, community organization, especially since now I am so heavily involved with uh, 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 Just Moms organization mm-hmm. around the Bridgeton Landfill. Yeah, yeah it was pretty so, funny because they were known as bad for short. Bridgeton Air Defense. Yes, absolutely. So in 2012, this district was created by redistricting. I don't even know if there was an incumbent when the seat came up, but you were you, you ran for that seat. I think you were unopposed. There was a Republican primary. And it is really like one of the most competitive state representative districts in the state, definitely in the St. Louis area. So tell me a little bit about that experience and 2014, because that was also a competitive race sure. for you. And it's kind of a sign that you, you, you're not, you have experience running in very competitive races and winning, basically. But it, it, really, it really fits my personality. Uh, I, I, I feel like to, to, uh, to represent folks, to, to stand up for them in any sort of an entity, um, um, you, need, you need to meet them. You need to... To be at the doors, um, um, and I and I would prefer to have a competitive district where folks ask real questions about real issues, uh, and it's it 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 absolutely fits who I am and how I how I see um, politics, uh, if we're that. But I but I also think that it's it's about public service. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the commissions that I've been on, I've been on boards from St. Peter's to Bridgeton and uh, uh, Pattonville and on all of that, and and. Um, uh, it, you know, I want a district that will ask me questions, uh, a community that's involved. This district was great for me. Um, you know, I was councilman in Bridgeton, worked a lot with the Pattonville School District where my my uh, kids, my boys went to school. My wife went to school there. Uh, a lot of connections. Maryland Heights is, is, is a gem in St. Louis County, just one of those great, great uh, communities. Um, and it, it uh, uh, the competitiveness of the district – um, is is fascinating because we'll get to uh, some areas that are that are uh, uh, very progressive, very uh, democratic, and then we move into areas across the river in the St. Charles County, um, where where I am literally um, um, dismissed because of the party I'm in, not not how not the job I do. Right. So now, yeah. So what made you decide with all this um, to run for Congress? 
Well, I, I, two reasons, and it really started with uh, the bridge and landfill, the problems there. That started in January uh, of 13, almost right after I got inaugurated. Is that in your district? It, it is in the district, okay. yes, yes. It is completely within the House district, uh, and the bulk of it is in the congressional district as well. Right. But it's one of those things that uh, – it was also in my uh, city council district, you can believe that, in, in the early 90s. Uh, but it, it is one of, those, one of those issues that has to be solved at the federal level. Uh, it, it's one of those things that that um, I, I I was shocked that that it has been ignored for so long. It continues to be ignored. Uh, my opponent Ann Wagner uh, virtually did nothing with it until I think she realized she was going to have an opponent in this race. Uh, finally, got a bill filed, uh, a bill that went sailed through the Senate, no problem. Uh, didn't even get a hearing on this bill until the day before uh, the seven week vacation that that they took. So. Uh, that, that's a big part of it. Uh, the other part is I simply don't think that that the views uh, from my opponent fit the district. I think that the district is m- much more progressive. I think they support uh, women's rights. Um, uh, I think they uh, support reasonable uh, background checks for, for, for gun purchases. I, I think the district is diametrically different than how it's being represented in Washington, D.C. It's interesting. This district is, it's Republican-leaning, but it's not super Republican-leaning. No, it used to be, I mean, just for our listeners, the 2nd District used to be much more Republican than it is now. And it changed somewhat when the St. Louis area, in effect, lost a congressional seat after the 2010 uh, redistrict, I mean, census, without belaboring the point. But the bottom line is the 2nd ended up taking a part of the old third, which had been at one time Dick Gebhardt's district. So that includes parts of Jefferson County, pretty much all of South St. Louis County, and I guess Western and some parts of Central St. Louis County, and then parts of St. Charles County. That's a yeah, perfect uh, description. And absolutely. there are some Democratic areas of that. Uh, South County is leans Democratic, although it can be swing in certain times. Jefferson County is, is historically Democratic, but has been moving more Republican. St. Charles, parts of St. Charles are more Democratic than others, although it's Republican-leaning. Sure. And obviously, Western and Central St. Louis County tend to be Republican-leaning. So it's a Well, it depends. Depends on the place. Obviously, you represent part of Western St. Louis County that is more Democratic-leaning than, say, you know, the Eureka Wildwood area, which tends to be Republican. Yeah, and I live in Webster Groves, which has increasingly become Democratic. So, I, well, I, and, yeah, I, and I guess I see it uh, uh, rather than we always divided on uh, party lines of conservative, progressive, and all those things. I, I, I think it's a district that would like to be uh, uh, represented represented uh, uh, more more middle ground. Uh, I don't I don't think that it's not the old Todd Aiken district, which is what the second district was, and that went all the way out to Lincoln County. Um, I, I think there are issues uh, that are being ignored for the district. I think there are, are folks that are are uh, passionate about issues that that simply don't get any 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 thought or uh, play in uh, in Washington D.C. So before we go into issues, I want to ask you kind of the uh, the political machinations of this. I looked at the FC, FEC site. It says that I think as of July, you've raised about over two hundred thousand dollars. You told me before the show that that number is up to three or four hundred thousand dollars. So you you have raised a decent amount of money for this seat. But one thing that I've noticed throughout my short career covering politics is if you don't get the national groups behind you, 
your chances of winning go down considerably. Although I, it's different in Congre- I mean, in House, in U.S. House seats, it's not quite so absolute as it is in the Senate. But I'm saying, like, if the DCCC doesn't provide you with support, it makes your job a lot harder. And one is, is that first of all, have you have you gotten the sense that that's actually the case? I, I interesting. I the, our first challenge in this race was to get people to understand it's not the old Todd A. condition. Sure. Right. Okay. Uh, that that large portions of it. Uh, were represented by Dick Ebhardt and Russ Carnahan. There are currently 10 Democratic state representative seats that are almost wholly within this uh, congressional. Scott Sifton seats here. Jill Shoup ran a very progressive, uh, very, very uh, good campaign in 2014 and beat a name, Jay Ashcroft, in, in, in in this district. Uh, I, th- I think what uh, uh, I think what the what the district uh, would like to have is somebody that will pay attention to them, mm-hmm. um, that will uh, represent their their needs, no matter what side of the spectrum they're on, um, and will 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 earn the the taxpayers' money that they're paying a, a, a congressional representative. Well, have there been any debates? No, and that's that's fascinating. The uh, the the we have we as you know, uh, Ann Wagner has never debated. She even in her first term, she refused to meet with the Democratic uh, uh, candidate in that in that district. And no, she's not debated. We have a uh, a debate scheduled. It'll be interesting to see whether she's willing to show up. Um, I just think that for somebody who earns one hundred seventy-four thousand dollars a year of taxpayers' money, they should take some time to to reach out to the voters and explain to them uh, why they vote the way they do and why the policies that they hold. But I think what's notable about you deciding to run for this is the last two cycles. I think people have run on the Democratic side who are not as well known. Glenn. Keenan, Keenan. Keenan. I think he was well known in the community, but he was not a known political figure. He had never run for office before. He may very well be very competitive in his state rep race, but it seems like by virtue of you just running for this seat, you have basically forced Ann Wagner to probably run a lot harder than the last two times, potentially, because you are, I think, a legitimate candidate. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, uh, In 2012, of course, uh, there was a lot of discussion of who would end up in that race. Uh, Russ Carnahan was left without a district, ended up, of course, as you know, running in the first district. Uh, and left eventually left the seat to uh, to Glenn Keenan, who didn't even win the primary till the end of August. Right. Um, Twenty fourteen, Arthur Lever ran just to make sure that uh, Ann Wagner didn't run unopposed. Uh, we have been working on this for quite some time. Uh, it looked to me that that if we we're going to, ch- I th- I think there's a path to victory in this race all the time. Uh, no matter what happened nationally, I always thought that the district was underrepresented. Underrepresented, and the folks here wanted somebody that understood, uh, as I said, the the the, the women's rights issues, uh, gun policy issues, um, uh, equal equal pay issues. I I think those are important to this district um, more than raising money for the party, more than representing uh, the party in Washington D.C. I I just covered a labor rally a few days ago, and uh, you were among the speakers. You got a strong uh, response. Uh, is labor among your key supporters? Um, how how, my, how will that play out in the district? Well, of course, I'm supported by labor. I support labor. I, I support working families, and it's the way I, way I always put it. And and there are very few entities out there right now that are addressing or defending working families like organized labor is. But most of my uh, most of my fundraising has been done within the district, within the metropolitan area, uh, within Missouri. Yes, for PAC money, labor uh, labor has stepped up uh, and is helping me in that regard. Uh, but it's not my uh, it, it's not the biggest portion of the money. 
Um, I, uh, uh, we, we talked to uh, donors from uh, around the country that would like to see the House change uh, to get more Democrats in the House. I always thought that uh, the, the problem with the Missouri legislature is the same as the problem with, with uh, um, the U.S. Legis- uh, House is that if you don't have equal numbers, all you do is run chip shot over, over the minority and you spend more time working on party, party policy than you do on what's best for the American people. Well, let's talk a little bit about issues. If you are elected and unseat Ann Wagner, what would be some things you would want to focus on in Congress? And also keeping in mind that your ability to get things done in the House is going to depend a lot on how many Democrats are there because it's a very majoritarian structure, essentially. So sure. I'm, I'm curious to hear what your big issues are. Well, the, the, one of the big, big issues here, and it's, and it's, it's uh, been in uh, the St. Louis metropolitan area up North, North County, is, is the proliferation of this uh, radioactive material that's all over. Uh, it is, they, they've done remarkable work in North St. Louis County to clean this up. It needs to be addressed in, in the bridge and landfill. It needs a safe and permanent solution. I, I believe in the science. I believe in uh, uh, how this how this will be decided. But it's languished for too long. It's on virtually on the surface over there, over uh, in that area. Uh, we don't know what harm it's done, folks. Uh, Republic Services, who owns the landfill, has started and is um, um, coming to uh, agreement with the household, uh, settling, settling disagreements with uh, homeowners around the landfill. It is, uh, it, it is a huge issue, not just for that part of, uh, of St. Louis, but uh, for the entire district. We can't take the chance of that getting into the water supply. Um, and, it, and it hurts the image of, of, of the community. Now, just with, for our listeners, without belaboring the point too much, I've covered this uh, periodically and actually heavily uh, the last five, seven years. Um, the bottom line is this radioactive waste it was um, leftovers from World War II bomb production. And uh, I'm very simplifying it, but it ended up being moved over there yes. in the late 60s, early 70s. And um, so it's and, – and then it's got it, gotten attention at different times. At different times, it's flared up uh, the 1980s. For some reason, it got a lot of attention, and then it just died down. Um, Republic is not the original owner. Originally, was two different because there's actually two different things. It's the West Lake and the Bridgeton Bridge landfill, yes. and they connect each other. And so, I don't want to get too much in the weeds. You're welcome to go to our website and read a lot of the stories that have been done by me and others that kind of give you more of a background if you need it. But um, it is it it is an issue in this race. I think one of the big issues around that from a congressional level is I think there's a push to change who oversees it. Like I think right now it's the EPA, and I think that some people want it to be the Army Corps of Engineers. Well, see, and part of it's under uh, over overseen by the state. Department of Natural Resources. So, so they're, they're, I mean, well, the, it's kind you, of complicated. But I want to want to hear about what you, you would to want under, to do. Yeah, basically. you have to understand is that the landfill itself is controlled by Department of Natural Resources, as far as staying within statute and affects the community. Right. The the radioactive material in there <laughs> falls wholly within uh, the parameters of the federal government. Correct. Uh, uh, and yes, the community wants it moved to the uh, uh, Corps of Engineers because they trust that entity. That's an entity that's in St. Louis County and has been, been uh, doing the work. It, it is part of a bill that was filed, um, that was filed and sailed through the Senate, uh, as I might have mentioned earlier. 
And the fact of the matter is, is that Ann Wagner never paid attention to, to the issue until she understood she was going to have an opponent in this race. Do you think the fact that if you were elected and maybe carried that bill in 2017, do you think you would have an easier time getting it through the House? Because I think it ran into some opposition, probably from the EPA that didn't want to, you know, just like just like any bill, yeah. any bill that that, uh, you know, I'm in a minority in uh, Jefferson City, but I've, I've impacted bills. Mm-hmm. You have to work these bills in the hallways. You have to work them in committee. You have to spend time working on issues that are important to the community. If you don't, they will just languish. The idea of, uh, of, of filing a bill and saying I've done my job is ridiculous. You have to work these bills. Uh, and I've been very successful in Jeff City. Um, with working, working on issues, trying to modify bills, trying to keep them uh, either less as impactful as they should, they might have been, or to improve them, were the point where I, where I actually support them uh, in in the long run. Because that's generally what you're. That's generally for House Democrats the best bet for them to impact legislation is working behind the scenes and committee process. Because a lot of Democrats aren't able to get their bills that are sponsored to the and, At the end at the end of the day we sh- you know the I, I know we get so partisan with this this stuff but at the end of the day we should be looking at what's best for uh, uh, the the communities uh, best for the constituents and and best for for the entire country you can look and see what happened in Flint where they just spent so much time uh, arguing or trying to discuss what happened until a water supply was completely uh, completely destroyed. Mm-hmm. So uh, it, it, uh, it, I know we get on a lot of the partisan politics of this, but we should be concentrating on what's best for the community and not whether or not we get reelected. What are some other issues? Because I know that's going to be a major one, but I know it's not going to be the there only one. A couple one. of things here that, that, that I'm concerned with is, is protecting Social Security to make Social Security uh, ensure that Social Security is around for our seniors for mm-hmm. decades to come. Uh, it, it is vital, especially with, uh, uh, with retirement systems. Um, uh, there are less, less uh, um, De- defined benefit pensions. Right. Define, yeah. yeah um, employer act, employer uh, retirements. We're, we're leaning that. There's always been a push by uh, uh, Ann Wagner's party to ensure that uh, it or to get it into the Wall Street. I think that's a terrible idea. I think Medicare is also one of those things that's been on the uh, chopping block for the Republicans for a long time is to voucher that system out. Those are those are vitally important. And the other one of the other big issues we have here and as a veteran, I certainly understand this. We need to make sure the veterans care is what it should be for our veterans. We do not have the number of veterans that we had after World War II, but the folks that are going over to uh, overseas to defend us need to know when they come back that that they're not going to have to struggle to get care for whatever they've had to deal with uh, overseas, things that you and I would never be able to comprehend. Uh, veterans care is, is hugely important. Uh, my opponent, Ann Wagner, has voted against uh, some of the veterans programs to expand the vet- veterans program and provide them with the, with the need that I think they have. So obviously, one of the big things that will be affecting your potential congressional service is who the president is. And that's obviously taking up a lot of oxygen this cycle. I'm going to take a wild guess that you're not a fan of Trump and you'd probably be more comfortable with Hillary Clinton as president. Is that fair to say? Absolutely. I don't think that we've had a a presidential candidate um, in a long time that has the experience uh, and the ability to go in and start working as much as we do right now with, with Hillary Clinton, without a doubt. Now, how much do you think the presidential contest will affect um, your race? Because, I mean, there's always this speculation. I've talked about this many times. Right. As far as trickle down. Um, I mean, do you think there's going to be much trickle down? I know that just just within the labor movement, you know, there's projections between depending 
on how the information gets out that there could be 30 percent or more of rank and file labor members who vote for Trump for whatever reason. So, I mean, do you see much trickle down in the second? Well, as as far as actually affecting the race, I guess we'll 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 find that out on November eighth. Mm-hmm. I don't think that uh, um, Donald Trump and his policies and his approach and his bigoted uh, statements and the things he does, especially against women and minorities and Muslims, where we have a huge um, Muslim presence in uh, in this district. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think it's going to be supported in this district. It's interesting because I could see Trump really being unpopular in parts of your district, like. Webster Groves, for example, or Kirkwood, but I could also potentially see him popular in traditionally Democratic areas like Jefferson County and South County. I don't know if that means that somebody will vote for Trump and then maybe vote for you or some other Democrats. It's it, There is a lot of ticket splitting that goes on in Missouri. And as you said, we don't, aren't going to know the exact dynamics of the presidential race until November 8th, basically. Sure. Well, I, as I said earlier, I think the best way for anybody to run for office is go to the front doors and meet, meet the residents. It's, it's all there is to it. Uh, it is the way to interact, to understand what their really real feelings are and uh, uh, how they would how they see how government should uh, treat them. I, I run into very little support for Donald Trump at the doors, right. very little. Uh, even even at, at strong Dem- uh, Republican homes, um, they're lost. They mm-hmm. they realize that somehow they ended up with a candidate that makes no sense. Mm-hmm. And I I just don't see I don't see much support out there. There'll always be support. We have we, we have absolute partisan uh, divides in in this country, and it, it's reflected within the vote the voters here. But really, I I see very little support for Donald Trump in the area. I'm asking this question knowing that you're in this to win, and you're in this to represent the congressional seat. But it seems by virtue of you running, you're actually being very helpful to statewide candidates because in past elections, when they had Democratic candidates that weren't raising a lot of money, that weren't well known, that weren't giving Ann Wagner or Todd Akin a lot of trouble, I mean, they basically let that congressional district become like a Republican turnout machine. If you're out there and you're turning out more Democratic votes in the second congressional district that typically come out and maybe enough for you to win... It seems like that helps Chris Coster, Russ Carnahan, and the entire statewide ticket. Have people basically told you that? And is that why maybe some potentially helpful groups or candidates may be getting behind you a little bit more because it helps the entire ticket, essentially? I've never been uh, – it's never been presented to me that I had coattails that I could (laughs) could pull in Chris Coster. Understood. Uh, That is a fascinating uh, approach. But but that was my – when you entered the race, that was actually the first thing that came to mind is by virtue of you being in that race and you making it more competitive than usual – it was going to be helpful to the other Democratic candidates that maybe need more votes there. I, I entered this race. We, we looked at this race. Um, uh, honestly, I'm 60 years old. Right. I don't need another career. I'm happily retired. I have a wonderful wife, uh, Kathy, at home waiting for me. And she waits an awful lot, unfortunately, <laughs> right now. Uh, but but I, I ran in this race because I think that uh, the district is not receiving the representation they want or deserve. Uh, that's why I got into this. I, and also, I'm, I'm very, very pragmatic. Uh, as an air traffic controller, I, I, I see how things – I want them to be, and I try to direct them to get there, all there is to it. Uh, I saw a path to victory in this. I saw that, that folks uh, were looking for someone to represent their opinions, and I think the opinions are vastly different than my opponent, Ann Wagner. I got into this purely for, for, uh, with the understanding that – I, I know how to get things done. I think I've been able to do that in Jefferson City, and, and I believe I can do that at the federal level. 
I've made a commitment that uh, and honoring, although I don't agree with term limits whatsoever mm-hmm. in the state of Missouri, I have made a commitment that uh, uh, if we're successful enough to be elected in November, that I wouldn't stay more than four terms. Yeah. Do you, do you realize, though, if you win you in 2018, 100,000 Republicans will probably run against you? <laughs> I mean, I'm it would serious. be a, it would be a uh, a fascinating primary, and yeah. and we'll have to see how that goes. But but I don't I, I'm not looking at at another race. Understood. I'm not looking at another time. Mm-hmm. Uh, my goal is to get elected, to to uh, work with the with the constituents, work with the voters, the good people in this district, uh, in the St. Louis and St. Charles counties, and and try to ensure that they have a voice in their government. Well, thank you very much for coming on our show. We really appreciate it. We'll be paying attention to the results of this contest for all of our stories, stlpublicradio.org. Follow me on Twitter at Jay Rosenbaum. Follow Joe on Twitter at... Jay Manis. That's J-M-A-N-N-I-E-S. And, and how- just for our listeners, uh, Ann Wagner will be um, has been invited to do a show, too. And how would we follow you on social media or the Internet, basically? Uh, it's uh, BillAuto.org is the website, and uh, it's BillAuto1 on Twitter. Thank you very much. Until next time, so long. Can you see what you've done to my heart?